This is the Amateur Fanboy Podcast with your hosts, Chase Aguirre and Mike Taza. Welcome, everybody, to the Amateur Fanboy Podcast interview. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Still glad he's here with us. Pete Zayas from... Twitter, you know him as Laker Film Room. He uh, does the Locked On podcast, Locked On Lakers podcast with Anthony Irwin. Pete, how are you doing? Doing real, real well, Chase. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course, man. I appreciate you coming on. So first thing I think we need to go into is how did Laker Film Room come about? How did you get started doing all these videos and, uh, and all that? Honestly, it just started out as a hobby. I uh, coached high school basketball for uh, for about four years, and I had to leave that. I, I started a business with my now ex, and I really missed basketball. The business did well, but it was not you know, necessarily what I wanted to spend my time doing, but it was one of the things you do for family. So I started Laker Film Room just to amuse myself, to you know, kind of break down footage and be involved in basketball in my own little way. I never expected it to grow. It was never like, I'm going to start a business type of thing. It just... Right. Uh, kind of organically grew people people picked up on it and liked it and a couple years later here i am doing it for a living so it's pretty cool man that's that's an awesome story uh any any i any idea did you have like any specific like ideas that you had when you started or did it just kind of just you know just went with the flow you know, it was something where I was frustrated with the type of basketball coverage that I saw out there and that it was just not very basketball specific. It was always about the storylines and your LeVar balls and that that type of stuff. Right. right. I started this before anyone knew who Le- LeVar was, but those type of stories were what people were more interested in. And I was like, hey, you know, there are really cool stories in the game of basketball, in the actual gameplay. And that was something that I just wanted to dive more deeply into. I remember having a an argument with a friend who um who was like oh baseball is way more you know there's a lot more thought and a lot more strategy that goes into it i'm like you're crazy no it's basketball right and we we had like a week-long argument on a forum uh and, and i was like you know i really want to show that all of the the beauty and intricacy of basketball so that was really the driving force behind starting laker film room man that's that's honestly an incredible story i really don't know how to how to go off of that too much but it, it sounds like you're really happy where you're at and it and obviously we you know I'm not sure if people that have listened to our pod know as as I do because I've listened to you know the Locked On Lakers and her and you know followed you for a while, but you know your health hasn't been hadn't been the best and you know you just had a couple surgeries, but um, I you know I just really want to say that before we get into too much that uh, we really appreciate everything that you do and so glad that you're still here with us and that you know that you're here. Oh, I really appreciate that, Chase. That's uh, yeah, I had a health scare almost exactly two months ago, uh, where it came pretty close to, <laughs> to ending Laker Film Room uh, prematurely, and um, I- I'm really glad I-, I made it through as well. And I, I really appreciate the the kind words. It's a dream come true, and I, I really want to be doing this for the next 40, 50 years. I believe you will, man. I truly believe you will. So, let's let's start into the more I, I wanted when I wanted to have you on i wanted to talk less about the off season and all that but more about like all the all the intricacies about how this offense can flow now that that we have ad we got boogie we got obviously lebron you got danny green but how what is the best way the lakers or in your mind that the lakers can continue to make this offense grow and how they can you know how the pick and roll offense and all that how it's going to flow with uh, the new additions 
No, that's a great question, and I think a lot of it depends on can DeMarcus Cousins get his three-point jumper back? I, I don't expect him to be the athlete that he was prior to the Achilles injury, but uh, but he shot 27% from three with Golden State during the regular season, and he was a mid-30s shooter. He was you know, over 35% the two years before that. It would make some sense that a guy's jump shot would be impacted by that major of an injury, but they always say that the second year back from an Achilles is really your year where you're really back and so if he's able to knock down jumpers and uh excuse me and Kuz is able to do that as well that really opens up the possibility so to be more specific about it rather than just Danny Green coming off of a down screen and down screen is a shooter out of the corner then that's Kyle Kuzma right and if he's able to hit that shot at 35, 36%, then he's going to be able to be much more of a threat at curling to the basket. He's a better threat than Green or KCP at playmaking and attacking the rim in those situations. So really how you can go about constructing the offense really changes based on if Kuz can do that or if Boogie can knock down it, you know, mid thirties and you could put him at the top of the key and have him as a playmaker, which is something that he did a lot next to Anthony Davis in New Orleans. But if teams are just going to sag off of him and say, hey, if you want to shoot 27% from three, by all means, be our guest, then that really changes what you can do. So it's really going to be dependent upon that. I, I expect Vogel runs a lot of horn sets, and I that's something that uh, the Pelicans did with AD and Boogie. It takes advantage of their ball handling ability, their playmaking. They can even run pick and rolls together, where usually AD is the screen setter for Boogie. Um, so, But yeah, a lot of it hinges on the outside shooting. Okay. So, so going off of that, how do you think like guys, like, obviously we're not, we're not happy about Rajon Rondo. You know, we wish he wasn't there, but, but how, how are guys like when you bring in a guy like Rondo, how is he going to affect, you know, how, how that, how that flows? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question as well. That's something that the less that he's next to Boogie, the better, Uh pretty incredible stat when Boogie and Anthony Davis were on the court together in New Orleans, but Rondo was off the court. They were a plus 10.4 net rating. When Rondo was on the court with those two, they were a minus 1.3. And part of that is because Boogie absorbs a lot of those playmaking responsibilities, like I mentioned a moment ago. So it becomes kind of redundant alongside Rondo. If Boogie has the ball. Rondo gets more relegated into a spot-up shooter type of role, which he he made them at a decent clip last year, but that's with defenses completely disrespecting his ability to do that. And then, you know, if Rondo has the ball, Boogie isn't as much of a, like, pick-and-roll finisher type of guy. He's more of a guy that you put the ball in his hands and let him create his own shot or for others. So he becomes kind of redundant with, with Rondo. So that, yeah, I, I'd like to see the Lakers avoid those lineups as much as possible because then we'll get less of that benefit from the potential spacing after the Lakers signed a bunch of, you know, solid shooters this offseason. Yeah, no, they definitely went about this offseason just about as well as you could have based off not getting Kawhi. I, I, I think, you know, the Danny Green signing obviously is going to be great. I think, you know, KCP... If he fixes shot and 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 he works with lethal shooters, so I believe you know that 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 shooting will come back when you got those two, and then you got guys like Caruso who can still hit threes. I mean, I mean the Lakers have have a lot of shooting that they can really go to on, on that roster. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something I'm I'm really excited about this offseason. Like last year, I was like, okay, this is weird, but I guess we'll see how all of these ball handling non-shooters work out. And then we, right. we saw how that worked out. Yeah. This is a roster that like makes sense at this point of the year. Like, obviously, I would have loved to have Kawhi, but it's something that when I look at the construction of the roster, you know, they've got a couple of needs here and there. And, you know, who doesn't? But at least the, the pieces seem to fit together. No, yeah, agreed. Agreed 100%. So, Let's go off of the offense. Let's go to the defense side. So obviously we we just went over Boogie. We went over AD. And obviously those guys are going to be huge when it comes to the front court defense. But how about guys like KCP and Danny Green and Caruso and I'm blanking on a couple. Jared Dudley. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, those guys. How, how are they going to affect uh, the pick and roll like defense or like just the wing defense? Yeah, no, that's a good. I think I think we're one wing defender short. I'd like yeah. to have one more aside from Danny Green, Agreed. who's very good at that and not have to put LeBron in those situations, which come a playoff series. LeBron's going to have significant defensive responsibilities against a team like the Clippers, right, that have two wings that are able to that are able to really hurt you. Um but all in all, I thought they did a nice job. I actually asked Palinka about the construction of the roster from the perspective of on offense, most of their playmakers are in the front court and how they plan about, you know, how he envisions it working. And I, I thought his response was really interesting in that he said that what they tried to do was have their backcourt guys be better defenders. So your Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso types, KCP, you know, uh, Danny Green to kind of neutralize because that's what most other teams that's what their main attack is coming from is from the backcourt so have your better defenders doing that and have your playmaking come from the front court while still admitting that they have some needs for a playmaking guard and that they'll be scouring the buyout market for that but i do like what they've done i i'm really curious to see avery bradley up close because he's a guy that like the analytics don't really love in terms of his defensive metrics but coaches players I test folks are are really big on him. From what I've seen, he's better on the ball and can be kind of harmful off of the ball with his help responsibilities and all of that. So I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. But defensively, I think they've done a good job on the perimeter and the wing. I have some concerns about boogie and pick and roll defense. And that's another reason why you don't want Rondo and Boogie out there at the same time. It's because you've got a really bad pick and roll defender on both ends of that. The teams can really exploit. But all in all, I thought they did a, a, a decent job. I think we're a wing defender away from me being really comfortable with where they are de- defensively. No, I would 100% agree, and obviously, I don't think the Grizzlies are probably going to buy out Andre Iguodala anytime soon. So yeah, we're probably yeah. going to be sitting here waiting. But if honestly, if 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 that's what they're waiting for, I'm I'm completely okay with because I I don't know how you feel, but I do believe at some point Memphis is probably going to have to bite the bullet when it comes to buying him out because that roster. I mean, Memphis is young and they'll be a young good team, but I think. Andre would probably take away from a guy maybe like maybe not like John Morant, but like take away from, you know, younger guys on that roster that they're trying to get playing time for. Yeah. And you generally don't want a disgruntled veteran who doesn't want to be there, especially on a team where you look at the Grizzlies long term. They're not trying to win a title this year. Right. They're in a Mm -hmm. rebuilding type of phase. And it's great if you can have veterans teaching Jaron Jackson and John Morant and guys like that on how to be a good pro. But if that vet doesn't want to be there in the first place, that can kind of go in the opposite direction. So I do think that eventually it's going to come down to can the Grizzlies find a trade package that they like or, yeah, they're, they're likely to buy them out. Yeah, we've, we've um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many more teams, at least at this point right now, before, you know, maybe the trade deadline hits really have room for them. But I mean, I guess if they, you know, if they want to try it, they can, they can continue to explore it. It's, it's their prerogative. Yeah. 
Uh, so now we talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. Let's let's talk about the best lineups on both sides. What mm. what do you think is the best optimal offensive lineup the Lakers can throw out there? Maybe not the closing lineup per se, but the best lineup that'll give them the best offensive rating. Let's say. Oh, that's a great question, man. So you've got you've asked a lot of great questions on this, I'm, man. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. No, you you are you sound very prepared, my man. Um. So. AD, LeBron, and Danny Green, I actually just released a video on the potential synergy between them because LeBron and AD put so much pressure on the rim that ideally you want shooters. Uh, and Danny Green is Danny Green is just spectacular at knocking down open catch-and-shoot jumpers. He's okay coming off of screens, but really he's that drive and kick. You know, LeBron drives to the basket, help defender drops over, weak side defender helps the helper. LeBron skips it over to Danny Green. He makes about... 50% of those shots. He's he's a 50 and a half percent shooter on corner threes, on wide open threes, it's like 52% on open threes, it's like 46%. These are just crazy numbers, man. So Danny Green is peanut butter and jelly with when it comes to LeBron and AD. I like that. But I like that. Too. Yeah, man. Um Kuz really is is a really talented off-ball scorer, which is remarkable considering how poorly he shot from three last year. He's a guy, you know, he had 41 in three quarters against Detroit without a single isolation or post-up possession. So Kuz scores really well off of those guys. If he can get back to his rookie year or close to it from three, you have another guy who can score optimally off of them. And then the fifth guy, that's a really good question. Who would I go with? I would, I'd probably not say Boogie, even though Boogie has a lot of those shot creation chops. Strictly offensively, I'd probably say Quinn Cook, because Quinn Cook can score off ball screens, along with being able, being a remarkable spot-up shooter. So if we're strictly talking about the offensive end, I'd go Cook at the one, Danny Green at the two, Kuz at the three, even though they'll call him a four because LeBron wants to be called the three. So Kuz and LeBron at three, four with AD at the five. I think that's the best offensive lineup. Okay. So then now what, what do you think the best, I mean, obviously, you know, if you have those guys out there, that's the best offensive lineup. There's got to be a guy or two that you probably would take out of that for the defensive lineup. Correct. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I still think I want AD at the five and LeBron at the four there kuzma is the most obvious guy to take out so uh, so danny green would still be in there um i'd say alex caruso would be in that lineup at the one and it's between avery bradley and kcp i will i will trust all those coaches and players who swear by avery bradley's defense rather than the analytics on that and i'll say so caruso avery bradley danny green lebron and anthony davis would be my choice there and honestly, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, similar to the lineup LeBron had uh, was playing on 2K on Instagram the other day, correct? That's right. Very close. Put in Boogie uh, to start at the five, take out Caruso, go big, have Avery Bradley. And that's an advantage the Lakers have that similar to what Polinka was saying is that you don't need a point guard point guard at the one spot. You can have your Mario Chalmers like he had in in Miami or Norris Cole, Derek Fisher alongside Kobe Bryant. When you And, and Pau Gasol was a great passer and playmaker. So was Lamar Odom. So you don't need a guy that necessarily has to be a conventional point guard so that's why Avery Bradley starting wouldn't surprise me at all all right all right so now I'm gonna ask you the I won't say the tough questions but the questions that you probably you know maybe don't want to answer how about <laughs> your 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 fate of the guys we signed the, the boogies the Jared Dudleys the Avery Bradleys the um the new guys of, of those new signings which one is your favorite boogie boogie's a guy with his you know 
post-injury, having issues as a pick-and-roll defender. That dude's so talented. Bro, we were talking like two years ago about him being a max guy, potentially, that the Lakers could go after. That guy's got so much game. He's big. He's got great ball-handling ability. He's he's a good playmaker with the caveat that he turns the ball over a lot. So that kind of reduces the value that you get out of that. But once upon a time, not too long ago, he could shoot. I don't expect him to be blowing by guys the way that he was two years ago before the Achilles injury. But for one year, three and a half million dollars, a guy with that much talent, man, that's such a low risk, high reward move. And and it makes AD happy of not having to bang with fives all the time. And, you, you know, they've got that synergy from New Orleans. So for me, like, I really like the Jared Dudley signing. Uh, I thought I didn't think they needed to sign Troy Daniels if they were signing Quinn Cook. I thought they overpaid a little for KCP and maybe a little bit for JaVale, but but all in all, I'm happy with what they did, but Boogie's my favorite. How about you, man? Uh, honestly, uh, before Boogie, it was Danny Green, but I would say Boogie is probably getting up there as, as one of my favorites, especially when you see that he's slimmed down, looks like oh, he's yeah. You know, yeah. way better shape. I mean, it, I think, like you said, the value that you got him for is, is insane. Like, it, he would literally have to, and I don't want to uh, knock on wood here. I don't want to jinx anything, but he would literally have to blow his Achilles out again for that deal <laughs> to not be good. Like he, literally, eighty percent of what he was is a win with that deal. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, super talented guy, and it's you know this doesn't always work out, but sometimes you wonder if you can zig when everyone else is zagging in that if they can make that boogie AD LeBron front court work, who's got the size to deal with that in a league that's so used to switching, so used to scaling down. You've not just have stretch fours. Now you got stretch fives and, and the size of those guys. Like if, if they're able to make that work and with their ball handling and potential shooting ability, they could, then other teams are going to have a hard time dealing with that collective physicality. Oh, a hundred percent agreed. So I, 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 I don't know if you have a least favorite, but is there any, any guy that you, that we, the new guys, I, I, cause Rondo's the easy target, but the, right, of right. the new of the new guys <laughs> that you maybe aren't as high on other than maybe Troy Daniels. Other than Troy Daniels. Hmm. Um, I'm like okay to happy with every other signing and it's nothing against Troy Daniels. It's just, they've got a lot of guards now and not a lot of wings. Like if that's rather than Troy Daniels, if that's a vet minimum wing, you know, that would be my preference. It's nothing against Daniels, game. He does what he does. He's a shooter. Um, but after that, I'd of the new guys, I guess this is making me realize I really like the new guys that we have. I don't really have a, a least favorite. I, KCP is the one, you know, and like you said, Rondo, but neither of them are new. KCP feels kind of like the clutch tax, right? That that yeah. he's around because he's with that. Um, gosh, man. Uh, hey, if there's not one, that's totally fine. I just, I, I just wasn't sure if maybe there was one that you, you know, weren't yeah, that high on. Maybe maybe Quinn Cook because I, I don't love him on the defensive end. And I do think he's the one guy that doesn't really fit with what Polinka was saying of like, well, we've got really good defenders in the backcourt, so we want to stop guards for other teams but that's me really stretching like i'm happy with it was that was what a two years six million dollars signing three million yeah. a year like mm-hmm. come on I, i'm fine with that yeah, of course of course so then i guess i'll get you out of here on this one uh what what do you think is the what is your prediction or, or how high are you on on what this roster can be and and how how it can go moving forward so i think this team is about the fourth or fifth best team in the NBA with this with the championship ceiling with the ceiling to be able to get 
to the, the top of the mountain. This is a bit of an unusual year in that there isn't a Golden State at the top. There isn't a Miami Heatles trio, uh, even, you know, the Lakers. You have to go back to probably 2006, 2007 to find the top of the league. I don't want to say it's weak because there are a lot of really good teams, but there's no one dominant team the way that there has been for really a decade now. And uh, a lot of it hinges on Boogie. A lot of it hinges on Kuzma being able to take a step. Even a guy like Caruso. Can Caruso be our Fred Van Vliet type of player, right? right. And and so the Lakers have – that. the reason that, why that's the ceiling is that none of those things are unreasonable, right? I'm not asking Boogie to be the guy that he was before the Achilles injury, but be 70, 80 percent of that, be able to knock down your open threes when, you, when you're open on those uh, – so that is what are the types of things that can propel them to the top of the mountain. But it's it's also you don't want to assume things are going to improve because there are going to be other things that go in the opposite direction. Somebody is going to have a down year. Maybe Danny Green shoots 36 percent from three instead of 45 percent. What does that mean? Right. And, and so that's why I think they've got an outside shot at it. But I don't think it's super outside. So that's about where I think they are. All of that said, if they're able to get a good guard before the buyout deadline, that puts them first or second, in my opinion. Okay. All right. I like that. Pete, thank you very much, sir, for coming on and talking with us. Uh, would you like to let everybody know where they can find you at and find your uh, find your work at? Yeah, you can find me at Laker Film Room on YouTube, on Twitter. I've got my Laker Film Room podcast. Do the Locked on Lakers an- uh, podcast with Anthony as well. Um, so, yeah, just fi- find me on there. And thanks for having me on, Chase. I really appreciate it. Of course, Pete. Thank you. Have a great day, man. You too, my man.